Welcome back to the Georgia 2024 show. We're on the road, <clears throat> as usual, it seems, these days. And on that point, uh, there was a big story that dropped out of Poland today uh, that said that the new uh, prime minister, Donald Tusk, has eliminated opposition media. So we were spot on in our recent coverage of Poland. We're going to go back there and talk about the destruction of the Christian state of Poland, possibly with this new government. But I'm here today on the Georgia 2024 show with my co-host, Bill Quinn. Welcome, Bill. Good, e good evening. And we've got, uh, we don't have as many guests tonight, but they're very important guests, and we're going to give them some time. So we have Joe Rossi, who's uh, you know from last Sunday, and we're going to dig into the results or the uh, consequences of the state election board uh, meeting, which happened over the last couple of days. And then I sat down with Patrick Byrne today to talk about really the possibility of terror attacks across the U.S. prior to the election and what that means and how it might play out. So we are brought to you by the Georgia Record, georgiarecord.com. Please put us in your daily scan. If you're interested in Georgia, make us part of your news flow. Check cdm.press out, CDM out and all our local sites around the country and around the world. We have 13 digital properties, more coming online. And with that, so support our no-ad subscriptions because we need uh, basically evergreen revenue every month that we can count on. Uh, it's 10 bucks a month and you get access to all of our sites with no ads. And uh, I know how much people don't like pop-up ads. And so this solves that problem for you. Uh, with that, Bill, let's get right into our first guest. Actually, one more thing. Re regarding Patrick Byrne um, and, and the possibility of terror attacks, one thing you can't really count on going forward in this next year until we get Trump in office is to be able to go down to your local CVS or wherever, Walgreens, and get drugs because uh, they just might not be open uh, because things may get shut down and they'll get shut down without any warning and could be shut down for a long time. And then what happens next? All these different diseases, types of things that may come down the pike, any kind of pandemics that they want to plan. So make sure you protect your family with the wellness company, their emergency medical kit. That's twc.health forward slash CDM. If you use promo code CDM, you get a 10% discount. This kit takes care of most things that you might run into from bubonic plague to tick bites to another COVID virus, respiratory ailments, that type of thing. And uh, there's a short process to go through to verify the prescriptions and then you get them in the mail. And you also get video support with doctors if you do have a problem. You can get online with a doctor uh, once you get this kit, which is for one adult, by the way, so you may need more than one but you can get online with a doctor and talk to him in an emergency as to what uh, what you need to do, what drugs to take, et cetera, et cetera. They also have the spike support, which is to purify your blood. If you have anybody in your family who was on the vaccine and uh, really is having issues, I know there's a lot of issues out there, especially the women around that are having uh, you know feminine issues and, and reproductive issues. This is something that can help purify your blood and remove the long-term damage from this toxin that the vaccine makes your body create really for a long time inside the cellular level. So thank you, Bill. Let, let's go. Let's jump into our first guest. It's important. And we want to talk about what happened in the state election board and get a recap. That's great. Joseph Rossi, thank you for joining us this evening, sir. Thanks for having me. All Are right. <clears throat> We we had a uh, we had a big day uh, yesterday at the uh, Georgia uh, uh, State Election Board, and uh, it was actually a very interesting day. And uh, uh, we've got some shots of it as we go through part of your discussion. But I wanted to get the latest. Hear what I think the folks would like to hear from your perspective: what happened, uh, who did what, 
and um, what the outcomes were uh, and, and perhaps uh, a, a guess at what the next steps may be. So please, let me, let me turn it over to you. How did the day, how did the day go? Well, absolutely. And thanks again for having me. Merry Christmas to everyone. Hope Merry y'all Christmas. Have a, you too. Hope you all have a blessed and safe uh, week or two. So um, it was a good day, a long day. And the first thing I want to say for those fellow patriots out there <clears throat> that are a little bit disappointed, I would uh, use the football analogy at this point. We were inside the 20-yard line in the red zone. <clears throat> we got the ball to the four-yard line, and they held us um, from getting a touchdown, but we got a field goal. So we got to feel good about that. And now we got the ball back, <clears throat> and we need to drive it down the field and get it in the end zone this time. So let's, uh, let's start off with the case that was removed from the hearing. Uh, 2023-25, and as y'all may recall, that was pulled at the last minute last Friday late afternoon when I got the email from the SEB uh, paralegal that that case was being pulled from the agenda. Mm -hmm. And um, the first thing that happened that morning is I had been following up all weekend trying to figure out or asked them to get respond as to why it got pulled. And David Cross summarized it very well. But early that morning, I did get a, a text message from Alex Harden, who was the paralegal that was doing a great job coordinating everything yesterday. But she took the time to up, update a public servant or a complainant, which I have a lot of respect for her doing that in the middle of all everything else she was doing. Mm -hmm. um, so she texted me and said that the reason for the pulling of the case, well, prior to that, she had told me that the board members are provided a packet about a week in advance of the hearing to review from the state election or from the secretary of state's investigators. And she told me that late in the day, somebody from the Secretary of State's office <clears throat> said that there were questions that they simply realized they were not going to be able to answer. So somehow, as David Cross said, between those pre-reads being provided to the board and Friday, um, you know, my, my hunches and David's comments yesterday are spot on which is they got, they got caught. Um, they had, in my opinion, they were ready to present a, a terribly inadequate uh, weak case, although they were going to categorize it as complete with violations uh, found and refer to the attorney general's office. They weren't going to be able to answer a lot of the questions that needed to be answered and, I believe in the long run, it's going to be better that it was canceled because I believe it was an attempt, as David said, to get it get it closed and swept under the rung with minimal damage to the Raffensperger narrative, which is that all all three counts were perfect and there were no issues. So um, I don't know if you have any questions or comments. On that. Well, well, I did want to just take a minute and make sure that people understand just how many folks showed up. Now, keep in mind, we're, you know, five days in front of Christmas 
And so it, it, there were some folks that speculated, gosh, who's going to go down to a Georgia State Election Board meeting during this? But I will tell you that uh, a lot of people did. Here's a, here's a picture of you. And this is just a portion of the room. The room was overfilled to a standing room only capacity. So uh, I'd forgotten the, the total number, but two, 300 people in there and, and also out in the hallway and milling around and up against the walls and all kinds of stuff. So there's a lot of support. Um, and as you said, David was, was right there front row, ready to, ready to go to guns right along with you. So uh, it was a very interesting day. Felt there was an upbeat feeling. I will tell you from talking to other folks in the room, they, they felt like there, there'd been a, um, a milestone that had been reached and passed the, this sense of, gosh, they're getting defensive about this stuff. They've really, they really do know that they've got themselves painted in a corner with us. So I just wanted to share that as we get through and get into the story uh, that you're telling, because I want to make sure people feel, you know, what, what others felt in that room. There was a, it was a feeling of hopefulness that I picked up. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned, the crowd was tremendous and actually uh, the crowd exceeded fire marshal capacity for the room. And as you recall, at the beginning of the meeting, they had to have some folks leave and set up an overflow room across the street because, right. was, because there were so many people, which is, which is great. Yep. Very, very good. So go ahead and continue on with what, uh, what transpired with, uh, with regard to that first one and, and uh, yeah. what happened then? So, so that one will come to live another day. And um, the one thing I do want to mention before we leave that is um, early on during that complaint, I had frequent communication with the investigators of Gorin mm-hmm. and was really just trying to help him. He would call me. I'd provide him data. I'd call him back, ask him if he had any questions. And um, I got the hunch that he was getting the pressure to move this long and close it very closely. And at one point he confirmed that he was getting a lot of pressure to close it, um, to get it, get it complete. Mm-hmm. And so I took the time to send him 10 questions. And I said, Mr. Zagorin, um, all these 10 questions are embedded in this complaint. It's highly technical as Dr. Johnson said yesterday, it involves over 17,000 missing ballot images, over 3,000 duplicate ballots. And I made a suggestion to him. I gave him 10 questions and I said, if you are not prepared to answer these 10 questions before the board, oh, by the way, I've, I've provided those 10 questions to every board member. <laughs> so please expect to get them, get asked them questions. And I, I mentioned to him that you know, if he comes in there without being able to answer those very serious questions, um, that he was going to be publicly embarrassed. So I believe, again, at the end of the day, just to close on this case, um, between the pre-read and Friday, um, someone from the Secretary of State's office investigative team um, realized hey, guys, we're going to be publicly embarrassed. We need to pull this case. Mm-hmm. So now the next steps on that is we're going to just push like heck that it doesn't go into a black hole and get it as soon as possible back before the board because it is a, a serious and explosive case, as you guys know. Yep. So 
now moving to the BI case 2023 BI-0001, which is the one that has to do with uh, the boards, uh, which has to do with Raffensburg's election code violations and whether the board has the authority to investigate him. Um, a couple things transpired in the morning that raised a red flag to me. Um, first of all, Mr. Mashburn, the acting chair, started the meeting off on a tangent and he started talking about Robert's rules of order. And in the past, um, the chair, he, he hasn't voted and because there's only three members on the board. So if he doesn't have to um, break a tie, he normally wasn't voting. So mm -hmm. two to one, one way or another. But in the morning, he went through and said, we're going to follow this rule, which is I'm going to have the ability to break a tie or make a tie. And I nudged the guy that was sitting next to me and I said, all right, Lindsay's going to vote to investigate. Dr. Jan's going to vote to investigate Dr. Jan Johnston. And Ms. Gazal is going to vote to not investigate. And Lindsay's going to make a tie so that it they don't begin an initial investigation. Uh, but at the time, I said, I'll bet you a Pepsi and a bag of Lays that they they punt this to the state election board. Hmm. And that that's what just went through my mind. And as the day went on, we had uh, probably 50 or so patriots present their two minutes argument, two minute arguments and uh, comments. And the thing I was most proud of, I would say 90% of those comments either had in them or ended with some comment about, we need to investigate Raffensperger. Mm -hmm. I think there was a really powerful one. I don't remember the gentleman's name, <clears throat> but he said, if we, if we can investigate the president of the United States, President Trump, that being, why can't we investigate? Why can nobody investigate Raffensperger? Yep. I'll, I'll make, I'll add one comment to what you offered. And that is having sat in on, I don't know, a dozen or more of these meetings over the past couple of years. Um, I've never seen uh, any of the chairs open up uh, in at the beginning of the meeting and talk about what rules they would or would not follow. And in fact, uh, I, I, uh, had communication sent to me this afternoon um, indicating that they they have uh, documentation that they've they've never seen a chair weigh in to create a tie other than yesterday that normally they're there their role is to sort of abstain until the net, until it's necessary to break a tie but not to create a tie which was surprising to some extent, but it, you know, it's almost like, why would he even bring it up at the beginning of the meeting? Oh, and, and then he exercises that, you know, that uh, action. People see through this stuff so quickly. Well, um, that's that's why Mr. Mashburn's on the first string of our Raffigate team, which we're building. <laughs> more to come. More to come on that. You don't want to end up on the Raffigate team. Trust uh, me. I bet not. I bet not. So go ahead. I, I Please continue. Know, I want to. I want to know who the cheerleaders are going to be, Joe. Well, we already got the first team, uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Raffi. Um, 
he's the uh, quarterback. We got Charlene McGowan is the defensive coordinator, and we got Gabriel Sterling <laughs> is the defensive coordinator. So we're okay. building this team, and um, we're going to make it public. I see, we're can, I see check some memes coming. Yeah, we're can I nominate gonna... Ryan Germany as Waterboy? Uh, no, I got a better one for that. Oh, More okay. It's, it's, it's someone. It's someone from the AJC. Trust me. Oh, okay. More we'll, to come we'll, us on that. Doesn't add much value, but brings in water at the end. Very, very, <laughs> very watered down. Very diluted uh, information. All right. Add much value. I'll go right ahead. Okay. So, um, so all those public comments. Um, proceeded. And then uh, after lunch, they said they were going to bring up the PI new business comments, um, new business discussion by the board, and then a vote on it. And right before I went in to get ready to hear that, I had one of the board members say, hey, Mr. Rossi, just so you know, you're going to get called up to speak, which nobody gave me a heads up on that. And I said, that's great. I, I didn't prepare for anything, but I got 99.9% .9 of the data after three years in my head. So I'll be glad to speak and answer any questions that the board has. So um, anyways, I got, when they first started that, before they did this discussion, I got five or seven minutes to basically walk through the cover up all the way from Miss McGowan's unsolicited phone call to Jack James telling him to back off the Secretary of State after Governor Kemp's letter came out to Investigator Zagoran's frustration in our three and a half hour interrogation, whereby he says, uh, Mr. Rossi, just because it's on our, you remember the pronoun, our, O-U-R, um, keep in mind they're supposed to be independent. Just because it's on our website doesn't mean it's just because those errors are our, on our website. So he admits to the errors and then he joined the cover-up team by saying um, doesn't necessarily mean it's our responsibility to Mr. Mashburn on the 16th of March in 2022 telling me, uh, Mr. Rossi, you're out of order. I have to warn you, you're out of order. I have to warn you, you're out of order whenever I brought up the Secretary of State's office. Mm -hmm. So I got to go through that whole history. And I, I closed that with the powerful, um, what I call the smoke and gun email that Duffy sent to me on August 6th. That 20 Let's see if I can find that. Hang on just a second. Okay. Uh, there you go. There we go. Go right ahead. Um, so on August 6th, it's 06.23 in the morning. Um, Chairman Duffy sends me an email. And this is in the attachment of the email. Um, he had no, I didn't ask him to send me this. I didn't even know this existed. But he certainly felt compelled to send me Miss McGowan's, I call it the shutdown McGowan email. Um, to him. And as you could see that it was clear that in July, Duffy took this case seriously enough and obviously felt the board had the authority 
to open up a case. And as I told the board yesterday, oh, by the way, you've already opened a case in this matter. It just happens that Raffensperger's attorney uh, shut it down, which um, you could see there at the very end after she tells Chairman Judge Duffy that she's shut down the case. She, I don't know whether you call this a threat or a instruction, but it's a pretty powerful statement from an attorney for Raffensburg to Judge Duffy, chairman of the board, mm -hmm. says, I trust with this information that the board will inform Mr. Rossi that no case will be opened on this matter. So um, at that point, Judge Duffy, he had, I guess he had a couple options. He could send me an email and say, hey, Mr. Rossi, here's the latest on the case. It's it's not going to be open for these reasons. Please see Miss McGowan's attached email. Mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason, he chose not to do that. And he sent me in the body of his, his email, which had McGowan's attachment, said, we are evaluating our options on how we can proceed in this matter. And that's a critical statement because if he had not done that, I don't think then. Uh, the new chair, Mr. Mashburn, um, would have proceeded as he did to keep this case alive. Have you had any more communications from uh, from Duffy since he uh, left the chair? No, I sure wish I could just talk to him. And I mm. did email him after this and just offered him good health and uh, a nice retirement that he's earned it. And he said thank you on his official government email. And I don't have any, I have not had any communication with them since then. Okay. So um, I'll go ahead, Brian or Bill. I'm sorry. I, I was, I was just going to invite you to continue to describing then what happened with the BI discussion, um, how yeah. they, how they came to what, what they ended up uh, electing. So at the very beginning, um, Mr. Lindsay spoke first and although you could tell he was going to vote yes to investigate. Unfortunately, you can tell he, um, I don't know, either didn't do his homework or it was a very laissez-faire testimony as to why he was doing it. it there wasn't, uh, it wasn't a very thorough legal research um, uh, discussion coming from Mr. Lindsay, although he ended up voting yes. From there, it went to Dr. Johnston, who, by the way, is the only law, the only non-lawyer on the board. Mm -hmm. um, as you recall, Bill, she was, whether you agree with her or disagree with her, she was strong. She was powerful. She did her homework. She was factual, articulate, and did just a tremendous job communicating why the board has the authority to do that. And you recall at the end of that, she got a standing ovation, which yep. was obviously shut down pretty quickly. There were several points that she made throughout the day that uh, the crowd, you know, they, they responded to because they heard truth in what she was saying. I mean, this, the, this makes sense. And uh, they, they yeah. gave her the appropriate recognition. And I think whether you agree with someone or disagree with someone, you still respect them for, having done their homework, um, providing it to your audience factually 
in a very articulate and powerful way. So I hope she continues to do that. And then it went to Miss Gazal. And um, the best way I could describe it is she gave a very, she was in a very defensive mode. And she gave an argument that obviously I didn't dis I didn't agree with. Um, and the crowd didn't agree with and they let her know that and I, I think she lost her cool a little bit and hmm. told them I don't remember if she said you know back off or she basically said no I'm I'm speaking and she you could just tell she was very defensive hmm. which is a little bit disappointing although um you know I respect her she did her homework I just didn't disagree with it but I think she lost her temper and um got whatever homework she did got overshadowed by her defensiveness. So then it went to uh, Mr. Mashburn and he went on a long, long discussion about pretty much everything. And you could tell where he was going. Mm. Um, you know, at the end, I pretty much knew that he was going to, when I thought about his earlier comments on Robert's rules, he was definitely going to make the tie. <laughs> So um, he concluded, and I don't remember if it was he or Dr. Jan. Well, first of all, Mr. he gave Mr. Lindsay the opportunity to um, put before the board a vote and a motion to move immediately on the investigation of Raffensperger mm -hmm. um, for code violations. And Dr. Jan voted for that. Um, Mr. Lindsay voted against that, or Mr. Lindsay voted for it and Ms. Gazal voted against it. So it was two to one. And originally going into the meeting, I thought, well, if Lindsay and Dr. Jan Johnston vote for it, even if the uh, Ms. Gazal, I mean, I really thought she may even vote for it, but I really thought it was a two to one or three to zero vote. And um, unfortunately it fell to the, um, I call it the new Mashburn rule where he not only can break a tie, but he can make a tie and he made it a tie. Mm -hmm. And the, the words that kind of put a gut in your stomach is this is, this vote has no majority. It will not uh, motion denied. So either he or Dr. Johnson then presented an alternative motion, which was to um, send it to the state legislature uh, for clarification on whether they have the authority uh, to investigate. And that ended up four to zero, which uh, was a little bit surprising because I thought at least one of them, based on their arguments, still would disagree with it. Mm -hmm. uh, but they ended up um, passing that motion. So at this point, the case is still alive. And now we're in a position where um, it's in the hands of um, probably the two most powerful people in the state legislature, which is the Speaker of the House, Speaker Burns, and the head of the Senate, which is Lieutenant Governor Burke Jones. So did, did they explain um, the process that it must now go through? This is quite unique, and so I, I was interested to see if they would define how this might be considered. Yeah, I'm not sure I fully understand the process. Um, I did last evening send the board and Ms. Harden 
um, an email asking that question. And my request was whatever the means by which they send it over to the state legislature, whether it's email or letter or formal document that I would like a copy of that document immediately. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you this, Joe. I mean, this is a, a deciding if there was fraud in the election or, or, problems with an election is not a legislative function. It's a, it's an executive or judicial function. So why, what, what do they expect the legislature to do? Pass a law saying there was problems in the 20 election. I mean, do you, do you get what they're trying to get out of this? Yeah, I'm not a legislative expert or an attorney, but I think there's two options. Um, one is to literally pass a, a law or a bill that has to, be approved by the House, the Senate, and signed by the governor that um, says basically, ironically, what the Georgia Code says, which is that they have the authority. Or uh, or the other option is, um, I don't know if this would work or not, but they could get a letter from Speaker uh, Burt Jones or Speaker Burns or Lieutenant Governor um, uh, Lieutenant Governor, slipping my mind, uh, Bert, uh, Jones, Bert Jones, Jones, yeah, um, to send a, write him a letter and say it already exists in the law. Please proceed. Or, so they're really looking for confirmation of authority for them to act. Is, right. is that the right. place we're at? Hmm. Right. I mean, the the third option, which unfortunately could be a stalemate, and they could say it's not in our. Um, <laughs> It's not in our authority to tell you what to do. And I really don't know where it goes after that. Well, the, the laws are passed that set this organization up. It has to have bylaws. It has to say what your authority is. And then it would be, uh, you know, in a, it wouldn't be a legislative function, I don't think, to tell them what the law says. I mean, that's a judicial function. To, yeah, you know, and that brings, so, me to, that brings me to a meeting I had on October 24th. Um, of 23 with the speaker, my local representative, Shaw Blackman, and their, his chief of staff, Terry England. And we discussed this matter quite a bit. And I specifically remember the discussion and Mr. England looking up the Georgia code um, on his cell phone. And we, we pretty much came to agreement or I listened to them come to agreement that they already had the authority. So I don't really know. That was in a private meeting. So, um, well, let me ask you this. I know in other states, because we're involved in Florida and Maryland and some other states, it, it is uh, it's criminal to not perform your duties as elected. And so I'm just wondering what the consequences are in Georgia for a, and I'm not saying it's criminal or not, I'm just saying in other states, there are penalties for election, election officials not doing what's required by law. And if their job is to adjudicate this, you know, it seems, I mean, it's very obvious to me they don't want to. And, well, and so they're, um, they're, they're punting, you know. I'm going to be the eternal optimist here and trust that the speaker and the lieutenant governor do the right thing. Um, what I will tell you is a couple weeks ago when I knew it was coming to this, I sent um, the speaker's chief of staff an email just say, hey, based on our meeting, um, would you, on behalf of the speaker, write a letter 
to the state election board um, confirming what we discussed in that meeting, which was that they do have the authority. And I still have that email at, at the time he responded that um, basically we're not going to go there and let we're going to let the um, the attorneys decide this one. So I don't know who the attorneys are, um, but it's going to be interesting um, where it goes. But well, the, we're pe the people should be deciding, not the attorneys. You know, I mean, in my well, opinion, I mean, I'm a I mean, caveman. I just the question you know, of it's just, on the question of authority, I think it's related to the Georgia code, what exists in the code. And I know a number of good attorneys that have weighed in and provided amicus documents to the state election board, all supporting that they have the authority, but obviously people are interpreting that differently. And I mean, at this point there's, I call it the, the Raffi hot potato at this point, there's nowhere yeah. else. To there's nowhere else to pass it off to. Yeah. I mean, they may, they may, I don't, I mean, somebody's going to have to make a decision one way or another. One, one other thing happened yesterday that I wanted to make sure people knew too. And that was you, you, David, uh, David Cross, Kim Brooks, um, and uh, another gentleman, um, spoke before a press conference, just feet outside the, uh, the actual meeting rooms down at the bottom of the stairs that lead up to the, election board meeting room. And um, I happen to know that uh, even national shows were very anxious to get a hold of that feed so that they could share that press conference with their audiences all over, ostensibly all over the country. And it does seem, you know, we've kind of talked about this in past months. There seems to be something about Georgia that keeps putting us in the, you know, in the crosshairs of whatever this mess has become. And uh, you guys did a, a very a very good job of sharing the status and so forth so that other people outside of Georgia, the folks that couldn't attend yesterday, could see what was said, what was uh, what, what the goals were and so forth. So uh, I just wanted to share that. That's, <clears throat> that's still up on, uh, we have it up on the Georgia Record, we have it up on our Rumble channel, and other, other people do too, so that they can hear from you as to what was covered. So it sounds like going forward, the you know the what got you here was public attention in part, right? That and good, good hard research work that they just couldn't, you know, in find fact, a way to get rid of. Well, persistence and facts and a, a few yeah. few willing partners to help us. So does that does that give us a clue as to what's going to be required next to keep this thing moving forward? Absolutely. I think we need to immediately call your state legislature, email the lieutenant governor, the speaker of the house. And um, they, I believe they returned us. I spoke to my state representative who's been very helpful on this yesterday, um, shortly after the meeting, Mr. Shaw Blackman. So everybody needs to do the same and um, make sure that this doesn't get pushed out beyond the January legislative session. Yep. And specifically they, they should, the legislators should hear from their constituents that they wish the legislators to legislators, pardon me, to confirm that the state election board has the authority to investigate anybody, including Raffensperger. Is that basically the ask? Right. Ask that. And 
ask the question, if not the state election board, then who? Well, I think our audience needs to understand the, um, the serious lack of responsibility here because this case, and, you know, like we said last time, it doesn't necessarily prove or not that the wrong person won in 2020, but it could prove that there were problems in that election that need to be rectified. And then that has implications for Fannie Willis. It has implications for the election in a few months. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, and they are stonewalling this information to come out. I mean, this is, you could make a case as obstruction of justice in the, in the Fulton County cases with the 19 defendants. I mean, th this is uh, serious stuff and people need to understand what's on the plate here. Uh, and well, Bill, the fact that they don't want to deal with it. Yeah, go ahead. Bill, I know you were there. And um, although I didn't agree with all Mr. Mashburn's discussion on authority, he did say in his long career, this is the closest that he's ever seen Georgia come to a potential constitutional crisis, this case. And um, we need to get it. That's that's not a good position to be in. Yeah. We need to get it moved and settled. Well, even, even that, I'm not, you know, as we sit here, I'm not sure that I agree that it's a constitutional crisis. It would seem to be a lot simpler than that. To some, I'm not an attorney. I don't. I don't even play one on TV. But, but to many, me included, this seems more simple than what they seem to be making it. They're, gosh, we can't decide if we even can do this. Well, they have no problem investigating anybody else. So why would this be any different? It yeah. seems remarkable. But, um, gosh, we we appreciate all the hard work. Most people don't understand just how long. Um, yourself, Kevin Monkla, and and uh, the other people that uh, that have been involved in this have been working on this to get us to this point. <clears throat> but we will we're gonna, we're going to do what we can to keep this front and center for all the people that can help uh, you and the team going forward. And we can't cannot wait. Now, I did last thing I wanted to make a comment on. You got some um, unkind. I'll call it unkind feedback. I I heard through the grapevine earlier today from um from another uh, publication do you do you want to share that now or do you want to is that something we want to talk about in our next next uh, discussion well let's talk about the details in the next discussion only to mention that um i called out the ajc for some early morning reporting um for misleading and somewhat dishonest information on what happened yesterday. And um, when I did that, I um, they didn't defend what I was arguing. They got into the childish name calling of me, but just I'll just say more to come on that. That's going okay. to turn into a big deal. Fair, fair enough. I would, uh, we won't go into the details. I would remind everybody covering this story that you have a letter from the governor saying that your findings were factual. And at the end of the day, that is solid foundation for what you're doing. So, Well, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution lost its credibility a long time ago. So that's why this show is so popular. No, nobody Good believes point. what they print. Nobody believes what they print unless you're drinking the Kool-Aid and want to. But um, anyway, yeah. with that, I, I think Good is that point. it, Bill, on this segment? I, I think so. Joseph, anything else to close? No, again, right. Merry, Merry Christmas, gentlemen. Thank you for your time.
God Merry bless. Christmas to you. And uh, if we don't speak to you before then, Happy New Year and, and be safe. And uh, God bless. You guys. Merry Christmas, well. Joe. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. So uh, we'll continue to put this story out front and people can make their own decisions. I think it's, I, I think many will find it easier and easier as this progresses. I, uh, you know, it, once you found out that you painted yourself in a corner, there's, there's not a lot of ways to unfind that, uh, unfind that out. So, well, um, here we are, I, almost, you know, less than a year from the election, we have proof that there were problems in the 2020 election that were material and could have impacted the results. And, yeah. uh, the, and, and everybody's just like, well, you know, I don't see it. I know I don't hear anything, see anything, smell anything. So let's just go on. And that, we're not going to let that happen. And it's going to be really uncomfortable for a lot of these people. I'm, I was very, very encouraged, as I said earlier, that there were so many people involved that were in attendance, so many people watching. I know people around the country were on the Vimeo feed watching the proceedings so that they would understand what was transpiring. So that's what it's going to take. You know, this is all about eyeballs and you know, big old searchlight on the facts yeah. in my mind. And we're just one small network and, you know, just our reporting has really upset the, the apple cart because uh, they're not used to any media accountability whatsoever. So uh, anyway, let's move on. So we've talked about food and food resilience. And we told you about our cattleman, Glade Smith, out in Nebraska. Holidays are coming. Give him a call. Get it on the website, familyfarmbeefbox.com. Order some fantastic beef with no mRNA injections. You can feel good about feeding your family. I can vouch for its taste and it's dry aged, just, uh, you know, bone, you know, bone appetite type nature. And uh, so let's run a quick ad from, uh, from Glade. So that's familyfarmbeefbox.com, and we'll be hearing more from Glade uh, after Christmas. We'll get some more fireside chats going so we can talk about things that really matter. And uh, also on food security, we had a really good response from Marjorie Wildcraft a few weeks back on her grow network. That's at cdmfood.com. Check it out. She's got a lot of free stuff. There's one video that people have been getting some feedback, how to compost anything, even your enemies. So check it out. She's got a lot of good content at cdmfood.com and learn how to Protect again with substance and nutrition, your family's future at the Grow Network at cdmfood.com. And we'll have Marjorie back on soon. Uh, but check her out and uh, enjoy the videos over the holidays. There's a lot of free stuff there. And if you want to get to the really good stuff, she charges a fee. But it's it's well worth it. And it supports free media and supports a free future. I sat down with Patrick Byrne. Uh, I, I heard some comments from him at AmFest 
And I said, Patrick, why don't you come on and tell me, tell us, or tell our audience what you're talking about, how you see the future going in the next year. I found it fascinating. There's a little bit of uh, transmission issues on my end of the broadcast, <clears throat> but I, his comes in loud and clear. So you can hear me, but I, the, the video is a little fuzzy. But I'm, I'm going to go ahead and can you play that or I need to do it, Bill? I guess I do. I think I can. But, Okay, go ahead. Welcome yeah, back go. to Information Operation. I saw are. a clip of a speech that Patrick Byrne, who's been on our show many times, did at AmFest recently, talking about the future and possible uh, conflicts coming to this country and how it may go down. So welcome, Patrick. Thanks for coming on and giving us those thoughts. I appreciate it. Todd, always good to be on with you. Thank you. So, so um, we are entering an interesting time. Everybody's seen that Trump has kicked off the ballot in Colorado, at least for the time being, depending on the Supreme Court action. How do you think things move forward um, into 24? I think they have manned up for a civil war and they're trying to provoke a civil war. Hmm. And as difficult as it's going to be, if they succeed, we lose. Do not, we cannot go kinetic. We've sucked it up for three years, over three years. We're down to 10 months. We got to suck it up for 10 more months. We've been out of 38 months. We got 10 more months, 10 and a half months. And so we have to keep our cool. So uh, you were talking a little bit about um, in your in your speech about possible actions by uh, you know terror gangs which are you know put in, inserted into the U.S. already. Tell us what your thoughts are that might happen. Yeah, this is fifth generation warfare, and in fifth mm -hmm. generation warfare, you don't even know who the enemy is. The mm -hmm. enemy, I'm sad to say, because I'm a long term lover of China, but the enemy mm -hmm. is China. They're behind what's going on in the U.S. This is a huge psyop that we're mm -hmm. going through. Uh, and they understand warfare differently than we do. And where there's diplomatic, there's economic and financial, there's terrorism, there, well, there's network centric, which is like taking down you know, electrical grids and such. And then there's just terrorism, then there's war. And they have, they've dominated on levels one and two, and they're set to do three, four, and five at the drop of a hat. And they've, and you know, the, they have already infiltrated 10 million military age men or 12 million have been infiltrated over the last few years. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's an app. Have you done any stories about the app that they're, that's, they're all using? I've read about it. I haven't done a story on it. There's an app that's spread globally that recruits young military age men. And evidently it makes pretty clear that you're going you know, we want you to get into America and it's got it's even got organizing structures on code on it so they can organize into groups. Of course, they get debit cards and they get cell phones and they get mm -hmm. uh, when they come across. But this is really an organizing tool for there to be a cellular, uh, you know, terrorist network is what it's like. I'd love to see you look into that app and write a story about it. But it's uh, so this is all a very organized takedown of the U.S. and the way they're doing it is. They don't consider it shameful not to fight in open combat. They think that's subverting and collapsing. And then and they want to occupy. Yeah, well, I, I can go there with this, what the big master plan is if you want. But yeah, please go ahead. Well, there's a if you if you should put up the link to my speech at Amfest. In there, there's a series of books I mentioned. One of them is uh, a speech, the secret speech of Chur Haotian. And I've given you this link before, I think. Mm -hmm. This was the there was a guy in China who was imagine someone who was both the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, the Secretary of Defense, and the Vice Chairman of the Democratic Party all at once, if there could be such a in a one-party state. 
that that's who this guy he retired in 03 from some of the positions this uniform positions and he <clears throat> gave a speech which leaked it's the highest level leak in chinese history and it's about their plan and their plan is ultimately two tigers cannot live on one mountain they need to mm -hmm. take us down destroy us turn us into the state uh, how they do that is through a bioweapon that destabilizes us. They, uh, we go to civil war. In civil war, 90% of us die. People should get out of their head to some glorious Red Dawn type of movie. It's mm -hmm. the walking dead without the zombies. Supply chains collapse. In about two weeks, we go through a tipping point we can't emerge from easily. And last so they've they've war game this all out 90 percent die in the one year from the supply chain collapse and then the chinese then there's a three-year reign of the car of the cartels and the blue helmets and they basically rape pillage loot and burn for three years and what's when there's nothing left but a husk a carcass they withdraw and china occupies and this is new china this becomes new china and it solves a 2500 year old problem for the chinese which is food, food, and food. You know, they've got only four percent of their land is arable. They, so it saw this becomes new China, and their and their party line will be that China was the greatest civilization on earth for twenty one hundred years. It fell into a four hundred year depression. The West humiliated it and took advantage of it. And but when they emerged, they pulled the rug out from under the West, and under the greatest hegemon the world had ever seen, and they reduced us to a vassal state. They occupied us. They liquidate everyone. They exterminate all the black and Hispanics. Sorry to tell you folks that. I don't make the rules. They exterminate all the black and Hispanic and most of the whites. They keep 30 million whites alive as slaves. Similar to what they're doing to the Uyghurs, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, this is an extermination thing, not to yeah. everything. And that's yeah. how they take us. And that's, that's the plan. That's what they say. And if you don't believe, look up the books listed in this speech that Todd's going to put the, the link to. Yeah, we'll add it under the video. So you also talked about years ago about the Chinese mace theory. Do you think they've achieved that um, effectively? Well, they haven't won yet. We're mm -hmm. still at it. We're still at it. This was also to take heart in the fact that this was all supposed to be over by April, May of 2021. Mm -hmm. We were all supposed, and the reason we it's not over is because we did not get violent. Just, you know, I've had people in the federal government tell me, Patrick, the people you're up against had a plan for everything you were going to do except one, staying peaceful. They had no, they thought there was no chance you guys were going to be peaceful. Everything else we could have done, they had a plan for. We would have all been in FEMA camps two years ago. Uh, it peaceful political organizing and action is what they, that they have a hard time with because we clearly have the numbers. So, uh, but that's, that's the plan. So how do you see this playing out with the Colorado issue? I mean, do you think the Supreme Court will come to the rescue to say, or do you believe, I mean, they're going to be allowed to take this precedent and do it in other swing states? I do think the Supreme Court will come to the rescue. I do think they will do the right thing. And in the meantime, Trump's polls have already gone up. Mm -hmm. I yeah. find it very telling that on Monday, you may have heard just a few days ago, wasn't it? They, by surprise, the Capitol Police went into, or the, the U.S. Cap Park Service went into Arlington and started to remove the reconciliation statute. There's a yeah. statute there that commemorates the reconciliation of North and South from the right. war. They're removing that was a go signal in my mind. They're attempting to remove that was a go signal. The war, they are trying to provoke a war. Fortunately, 
a restraining order was slapped on them by a federal judge, an African-American federal judge. I don't mm -hmm. know who appointed them, but they yeah. slapped a restraining order on them. How interesting. But it's very interesting they went to do that with no warning on Monday. Take down By taking down the reconciliation and healing statue from the Civil War, it's kind of green lighting and saying we're back at, at Civil War. These two people are doing everything they can to get the Civil War going. By the way, what happens if that gets going, not only do these 10, 12 million people get sworn in in states and they become law officers and armed, uh, you'll see Biden calling the blue helmets. Mm -hmm. And when he called in the blue helmets, when all my previous protestations about we must remain peaceful, I rescind at that point when the blue helmets start showing up. But uh, he, you know, there was a, if you go back to 2015, 2016, there was this strange thing Obama did. He bought several million AR-15s or M4s yeah. and a trillion rounds of ammunition. And they're spread in post offices and, I mean, and the IRS. And, you know, there's 1,300 federal agencies. And each one has got, has a depot of arms to the teeth. I think those arms were pre-positioned for the 10 or 12 million military age males who have just been recruited through this app. Yeah, I've actually been saying that for a while. Do you, do you have a name for the app? Do you know? We'll do some research on uh, it. But it's, they're finding it on all their phones, no matter where they come from, Pakistan, Africa, here in uh, South America, there's one app that's, that, that people download globally and it helps them on their whole journey to the southern border of the US. But it really it's a recruiting tool for soldiers to come fight, is what I understand. Haven't seen it. Anything else you want our audience to know, Patrick? Well, the Jack Smith thing is a rather big deal. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that? Have we talked about that one? Yeah, we, we reported on that with your uh, with the, uh, the the corruption in The Hague and all that. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Have you had any response to that, breaking that story? Well, I just did a, there's, yeah, the response from, get this, the DOJ inspector general wrote back and said, so we sent it to five inspector generals. The DOJ inspector general wrote back and said, we're not going to touch this because it's not in our jurisdiction because Jack was on leave from the DOJ when he was over in The Hague, which is a little bit like saying uh, if, you, if the DEA found out that one of their senior important officials was actually Pablo Escobar and you prove that to them and they say, well, uh, what he did when he was on leave from us, that's not our, we don't really care, that's not our jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. It's a silly position. Only one of the five has even answered, and that's how they answered. And they did not sign the, they did not sign the letter, even though we sent it personally to Horowitz or whoever was the DOJ Inspector General. He did not. There is no signature on it. Just like, did you know the Colorado decision yesterday? There's no signature on it. No, I didn't know that. It's unsigned opinion. Interesting. You had mentioned some other news coming out that you were working on. Any time frame on that? Yeah. I think uh, I think there'll be a lot of revelations a lot before the end of March. If we can keep it together to the end of March or earlier, there will be a lot of revelations. And and so I don't want to give too much information, but we have we have uh, there's a lot more revelations like this Jack Smith thing coming. And I'm sorry mm -hmm. I'm asking people it may be as much as three months, but you're going to be seeing traces of it before then. And okay. this, this should all be over by the end of March, I think. Just really, this winter is when we're going to, the closer we get to the election, the phonier it is for them to do something where they have to postpone the election. So we're coming right into the season where they're going to be doing yeah. stuff to try to try to disrupt the election. I agree. Thanks for your time, Patrick. We'll see you again soon. Take care. Thank you, Todd.
Bye-bye. So I thought he had some fascinating observations. Um, it is concerning yeah. in some ways. Um, did did he give a sense of well, if 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 this is trying to be forced, uh, how do we avoid getting pulled into it? Are there techniques or well, things I mean, you combine it with about? terror attacks and all that could be happening, or you know, I've heard through the grapevine recently. So um, I don't know. I think people just got to be prepared. Have your networks put up together. Be able to survive on your own for a while and uh, that's why we're pushing the emergency medical kits the food the food security uh the beef um all of it um you really gotta you really gotta start taking care of your family because yep. there's nobody gonna do it for you right now and if you get caught flat-footed you, you're gonna be it's gonna be too late so yep. one more thing uh, cropped its head today if we have time still uh yeah. so um Thanks to, again, as we've said in the past, thanks to the uh, the work of patriots all over the state. We've had a couple of people forward in some communications from Mr. Raffensperger that he sent out to uh, the uh, legislative community uh, today asking for them to do away with runoffs in Georgia. And they used some, you know, childish um, language about, you know, you don't need to, you know, have have more stuffing over the uh, political uh, discourse over the uh, holidays. Let's make sure that, you know, we, we can make it easy on people so they don't have to be thinking about politics during the holidays next year. All of these things to slide in as if it were, you know, child's play, rank choice voting back into the dialogue in Georgia. Um, we, we reported last week that uh, there's an organization that uh, was trying to begin to press ranked choice voting, and uh, they're calling it uh, instant runoff. And it, they, they've done this in other states in the past. They try to make it more palatable because people have learned, wait, ranked choice is just a scheme. It's a gimmick. And in fact, uh, even the NAACP um, went against it in the past couple of years because they don't like it either. The Republican National uh, uh, Party issued a communication last year um, saying that they don't support and don't like and don't recommend ranked choice voting and going against it. Yet here we are, you know, Mr. Raffensperger seems like uh, for whatever reasons, he all of a sudden wants this in our state. Um, we will have much more reporting on this, but right from the get-go, people need to hear that this is something to be avoided. It is a scheme to make uh, complicated elections even more complicated and be able to drive an outcome uh, that may or may not be even able to be understood how it, how it came about. So we'll have more on that. We'll likely go back to our experts that we called in last year to uh, talk about it. But immediately, you know, it's time for the bat sign to go up. This is not a good thing, and it needs to be squashed. And a message to the legislators, um, stay away from this, please. And if you don't, we will make sure that uh, we explain to the people of Georgia why you should be staying away from it. And, or why you should be primary if you do. Um, <laughs> That's right. So uh, before we leave, um, it's that time of the year. Uh, it's tax selling time. You need somebody to take a look at your portfolio. There's been, you know, a lot of inflated market moves uh, could have some severe overvaluations. Maybe you take some 
losses. Maybe you offset some losses. Talk to your financial advisor. If you don't have one, call ours, David Cross, who is a friend of the show. And uh, let's run a quick ad for David, please. This is a special report. Knowing how to invest your money is harder than ever before. Dealing with stock market volatility, record debt, and terrorist attacks requires new thinking. At U.S. Asset Management, we can help you see the world more clearly so that you can move beyond the chaos and invest with confidence. Call us, visit us online, or drop by our office. U.S. Asset Management, helping you make better decisions with your money. So, you know, we've had discussions with David offline, and we, we could have some severe market uh, disruptions in the next few years uh, due to uh, geopolitical events. And are you prepared? Are you retired? I had somebody or a couple tell me yesterday that, you know, we're retired, but what happens if the market blows up? What happens to our portfolio? How do we protect ourselves? David is the guy to answer. So David Cross at U.S. Asset Management. Anything else, Bill? No, um, we, uh, you know, we're coming up into the holidays this coming weekend. We, uh, we will probably have um, a specialized presentation for uh, Sunday of this week, and uh, we'll we'll post more on the Georgia Record as to what will be contained. But we're, we want folks to have a a safe and merry Christmas with their family. And uh, we thank everybody for um, all the work that they've done on our behalf, all the attention that they've paid. And uh, we guarantee that we will stay the course into uh, through the holidays and into next year as things continue to progress. Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, you know, this could be the last old time Christmas that we had. Things could change in the new year and forward. So enjoy the time with your family and take us out, Bill. Thank you. <laughs>